In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters, we are at the afterfeast of the Domitian of the Theotokos, but we're also at the Sunday which I like to call maybe Money Sunday. It's a Sunday where we have to talk about money. Forgive me, my dear brothers and sisters. We hear in Paul's epistle to, forgive me, what, what, who is he writing to? I wasn't listening. To the Romans. Corinthians, Church of Corinth. That famous phrase, should one muzzle the ox while he is threshing the wheat? And I'm sure there are many farmers that do. Of course, we are long separated from the agricultural world, so maybe not many of us understand what is meant by an ox being muzzled when threshing the wheat. Of course, what we're really talking about is an ox turning a threshing wheel and pushing the threshing wheel. And of course, while the ox is pushing the threshing wheel, he is walking through the hay, through the wheat. And as he is walking through the wheat, the ox is putting his nose into the wheat and nuzzling around and eating while he's walking around, eating the very food that the farmer is going to be selling. And a bad farmer, of course, will be wanting to make sure he gets every ounce of wheat to sell and will put a mask over the face of the ox to make sure that the ox does not eat any of that wheat to make sure that every ounce of the wheat is kept back for sale. And Paul is arguing here to the churches. Remember that Paul worked for a living. He was a tent maker. He wasn't a full-time priest, as it were. Paul, a full-time apostle. At times when he was not travelling and preaching, he was stopping and mending tents and making tents. There's a thought suddenly occurred to me. I wonder whom his major client was. Who was the biggest purchaser of tents in Europe at the time, but the Roman military. That's just suddenly occurred to me. That's why I'm speaking very slow with wide eyes. But he was a tent maker. He worked for a living. We hear again, as we heard last Sunday, Mary and Martha. Martha working very hard. And yet Mary being pointed by Christ to the one thing needful. We also hear in today's Gospel the parable of the 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents, difficult for us to establish quite what that is, but a talent varied in, is a weight. It's not a, a value, but it's a weight varying somewhere between what we think, somewhere between 25 and 30 kilos of weight. So a talent of gold is a lot. We're talking probably about, for that person in this story, 20 years' worth of work. How he managed to get into 20 years' worth of debt, one can probably imagine, possibly gambling. 
but spending 20 years' worth of money in one go. And he goes to his lord and master and says, Lord, my dear master, forgive me this debt. Of course, the master is able to forgive 20 years' debt while joying that he is such a, a bajillionaire that he is able to forgive this debt. We think that today, in this world, that we are free to have people who are eye-wateringly wealthy, but actually we are not the only civilization to have people who are eye-wateringly wealthy. And the Gospel shows us that there are plenty of civilizations that have had people who are stupidly wealthy compared to the ordinary person. But this man's wealth, is his debt, forgive me, is forgiven. And yet he turns around to his fellow servant. He is only a servant, mind you. He turns round to another fellow servant and does not forgive 20 denarii, 20 pence, a small amount, a day's wage. And when the Lord and Master finds this out, he is handed over to the torturers. We're not say, talking about debt alleviation charities here. We're talking about him and his wife being put into prison, being tortured until such time as the debt is paid off. An institution, by the way, that even in the UK was not got rid of until a hundred or so years ago for the debtor to be put into the debtor's prison until such time as the debt was paid off. Can you see how impossible that is? That you are put out of economic activity, unable to pay the debt off until such times as the debt is paid off. You need somebody else to pay your debt for you. You need to sell yourself your future, sometimes your body, but at least your future labour in order for that debt to be paid off. But of course we un understand, and the parable is given to us as Christians, for us to begin to understand the debt that has been paid off for us by Christ. But there's a danger for us to think of this as a weighty debt, a terrible and sad debt, something, a guilt-type debt. But I approach this story in a much more joyful way, in a way that it's a debt that I have never had to bear, that I've never had to incur in a way a debt that may have hung over me but I've never had to endure that we as human beings might have had to endure especially us in this dispensation but generations ago before Christ they had to endure this debt but we don't we start life, we begin our life after baptism without this debt. 
free of this burden. So many people come to me, and I see this all around the world. See Christianity as a dour, miserable faith. Someone described it even to me yesterday as almost as, I don't really want to become a Christian yet because I want to get on with the rest of my fun bits of my life. And then later on, when I've done the best bits of my life, then I'll get on and do Christianity because it tells me what I should and shouldn't do. And mostly it's about telling me what I shouldn't do. And I can feel the misery and the burden of Calvinism. And that's certainly not come from my influence, but the burden of Calvinism that is rife on the internet. And I see this story and hear this story. And I hear people say, particularly when things are bad, why has God done these things to me? And yet when things are beautiful and joyful and the sun shines and people benefit and they are wealthy and things go well, who do they thank but themselves? When things are good and joyful, God is forgotten. When the sun shines and boy has the sun shone, when the warmth is such that we don't have to put the central heating on, which is rare. Do we thank God that our electricity bills and gas bills are low? No. But we thank, blame God in midwinter when the gas bill gets large. Because we only blame God, we only see God when things are bad because we seek someone to blame except ourselves and yet the debt has been lifted the gift has been given trying to remind myself of the theme of the homilies for the last two years we have received the gift the gift of life the gift of breath the gift of joy, the gift of love, the gift of sunshine. In the icons, there are a number of icons, not least the one that sits on the throne behind me, which is the Anastasis icon, but also the icon of the birth of Christ that shows us our relationship with evil. And unfortunately, the baleful influence of Calvinism in this civilization tends to suggest to us that evil surrounds us and there is a tiny fragment of God and tiny fragment of Christianity left. There's a tiny flicker of light left in the world that is good. And yet, joy of joys, when I encountered Christianity and I was shown these icons. It was a joy to see the theology of these icons. I hope you know which ones I'm referring to. Because in the centre of these icons, 
In the center of the icon of the iconostasis, uh, uh, anastasis icon, the resurrection icon, and the birth icon, in the center of that icon is darkness, is evil, is death. And it is surrounded by light, surrounded by joy, because evil is contained, badness is contained. It is limited because it is destroyed. The gift has been given. Martha is busy because she sees so much stuff that has to be done, so much evil, so much things, so much cares and concerns in the world. But Mary, she sees that that has been contained. Because she's, her vision is wider. She sees the gift Jesus Christ has been given. She sees that the cares of the world have been contained in Christ Jesus. And she is able to focus on the one thing needful, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. She is able to see that her cares... Her difficulties, no greater or less than anybody else, but she is able to see that they are contained and controlled, conquered, and ultimately destroyed by the incarnation of God. We're able to see that our cares, our worries, our concerns are but nothing. There are times when they overwhelm us, or at least threaten to overwhelm us. And we struggle. And everything seems darkness. And we must fly to the icon, most above all, of the Anastasis, the resurrection. But also of the incarnation, of the birth of Christ. Because we see there, in the cave, in that darkness, already, that the gift has been given, that evil has been contained, the cares of our world have been contained. And our response should be that we pass that gift on. Because the danger, of course, is that we become like that man who has been gifted the debt of 10,000 talents. A life of debt has been lifted from him. And his response is to continue to impose a debt on someone who owns, owes him a mere fragment of time. A mere day's worth of debt. <clears throat> Whereas what we should do is pour upon him a lifetime of love, a lifetime of the incarnation of God. Paul, St. Paul, is much more pragmatic than my honeyed words. He says, I'm a tent keeper, tent maker. But I still have a right to living, a living. 
I have still a right to eat of the wheat that I thresh. And I speak now pragmatically of us here at St. Anne's and to remind you of our situation. We're not poor here at St. Anne's, praise be to God, but because of the generosity of perhaps five to seven people that we have a building here that we rent from the Borough Council. And we have been able to pay off the debt that we owe to the parish of Oxford a few years early. And we have, I think, a surplus of seven to ten thousand pounds. Praise be to God. And that has allowed us to lay a floor, but it gives us a fighting fund that maybe one day in a year or so's time, if we continue to grow that fund, that we could put a mortgage down on this building and we could buy this building from the council. We continue to rent at approximately seven to £8,000 a year. So it's taken extraordinary discipline for us not to go and blow lots of money on fancy vestments. The vestments mostly have been purchased by myself and a few other donations from parishioners. We could, of course, go and buy thousand-pound vestments, five-thousand-pound vestments from very expensive American, but we go and buy from a beautiful and humble St. Petersburg supplier for vestments no more than four, three, four hundred pound. You have beautiful frescoes around you that are from the Fellowship of St. Sergius and St. Alban. They cost us money to insure because they are priceless. 70 plus years old. But, and here's the rub. Myself and Deacon Eugene, Deacon, Deacon Eugene lives in Doncaster. That's two and a half hours drive from here. Deacon Eugene and myself and Father James and Peter receive no money. We do not put our nuzzle into the thresh, into the wheat. Machka receives no money from this parish. And that's not a complaint. But it is a weakness of this parish in the long run that we are not yet building a fund to pay for a full-time priest. We are wonderfully blessed to have the opportunity to have volunteer clergy. And look what we have achieved in seven years with volunteer clergy. If we had full-time clergy, stipended clergy, Imagine where St. Anne's would be, where our mission would be, if we're able to raise that up. And of course we are poor. We are all struggling. But let us remember the debt that we owe to Christ. We all should tithe 
we should all give 10%, not 10% of our minimum uh, after tax, but 10% of our gross income before tax. That is the tradition of the church. But actually, our weekly income is not representative of 10%. It's not even representative of £10 a week per person. Of all the people that come online or the people that are known to us in our parishes. £10 a week. If we were able to give £10 a day, each one of us, every single adult, just the adults, £10 a day, not a huge amount of money. That would cover two full-time priests. Every one of you would then have a visit a week. Every one of you would have a personal visit from your parish priest once a week because I know because it pains me I have to work a 40 hour week and I can't visit you because by the end of the week and that's a minimum 40 hour week by the end of the week I'm exhausted because that's 300 students I have to see a week And this is not a complaint. This is in the tradition of St. Paul stating to you the facts that he has a right to tell you the economic situation of his ministry. It's not my wish to be stipended. It's my wish that we, us at St. Anne's, has the ability over the next decade to raise up from its own people, a successor to me, who is fully stipended, a full-time priest, preferably with another 20 years left in him, because I haven't got 20 years left in me, but young priest, full of energy, full of the abilities to meet every single one of you when you need them. When you need to be met, fully and properly, theologically and pastorally trained. Because for us to be evangelical, as well as apostolic, for us to be the church that we claim to be, we need to be able to do that. But what we tend to do is to think, I only have ten denarii. My debt is only ten denarii. And that is all I have to give. The gospel today tells us that that is Martha thinking. And it may not be cash. It's skills and talent and time will, energy, enthusiasm, and above all, stubbornness. The refusal to give up. Because it has been 
the refusal to give up that has got St. Anne's to be where it is. Not money, really. It's been fragments of time, bits of time, bits of money. Little bits of this, second-hand furniture, an hour here, an hour there, a few pence here, a few hundred quid there, and then occasionally some significant donations. We've been devastated by COVID. Our congregation has been decimated, not by sickness, but by being unable to see one another and come together. And that has meant that our income has more than halved. Not our online, not our general subscriptions, but the donations, because people are not here. But as we come into the new calendar year, into the new ecclesiastical year, as is prescribed by the lectionary, this is not my choice, this is the lectionary here, my dear brothers and sisters, telling me to preach at this time of year, every year, this gospel comes up. That we are called to ask you, to invite you, as St. Paul asks and invites his church, also to relief poor. For us to be able to build our ministry here at St. Anne's. So that we can also, not just for us at St. Anne's, but to reach out and to share our ministry with the other communities of the Archdiocese here in the UK. Let us not think that we have a few pence, but that we have talents. And those talents, 10,000 talents, have been forgiven us. Our debt has been forgiven us. Not that that has weighed heavily on us, but that talents, those gifts, are life and love and the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.